Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour! Bonjour! It's a gray day in Vermont, and... uh, I'm so happy to be joining with you at such an important time in our awakening. Yes. So today we are talking about undoing ego thinking. So what else is new? (laughs) And uh, I'm so happy we're joining together. So let's begin with our... Opening blessing, I invite you to place your hand on your heart while I pray for us and all humanity. Taking this deep breath of love, we are grateful and thankful to open our hearts, open our minds, open our life, our experience, our awareness to the wisdom of the higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful and thankful to relinquish all attachments to the self-medication, self-sabotage, playing small, living in lack, attack, limitation, and separation. We're giving up all attachments to craving, needing, wanting. We're giving up all attachments to the things we hate, that we can't stand, that we dislike, that irritate us so much. We're giving up all the attachments. We are grateful and thankful to undo the patterns of the ego to undo the ego thinking and we're giving all the heavy lifting to the holy spirit to figure it out we are increasing our willingness exponentially by joining together we are the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of christ love and we are discovering what our true identity is so we can anchor that and share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them in gratitude we let it be and so it is amen 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 yes here we go (laughs) so (laughs) i am grateful that we have tools that really work Uh, i contemplate this quite a lot because I am so completely amazed that I've been able to change my life experience so completely. And uh, I see others doing this as well, those who are committed to doing practice that really works. And uh, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. And I do know that we can get to a tipping point Right When we're 51% more loving than unloving, we get to that tipping point. It becomes so much easier. That was my experience, and I see others around me having that same experience. And it is one of the analogies I use uh, when I was a little girl, uh, My I got... A toy, I think it was something that I saw actually in a, a restaurant gift shop. Uh, sounds strange, maybe, but big fancy restaurants back in the day would have little gift shops. So you could buy little souvenirs that you went to the big fancy restaurant in Chicago or New York or something like that. And I think maybe my grandparents took me to a big fancy restaurant in Chicago something like that in Toronto, someplace. And uh, I got this little thing. And it's you you may be familiar with it. It's very old fashioned. Uh, It's this clear plastic bird that has red liquid in it. And you set it so that it's tipping. And it like a boggle. Uh, bobblehead they it tips and tips and tips like it's taking a, a drink or eating something from the ground and it tips and tips and tips and one drop of the red liquid goes into the head and then another and another 
until it tips all the way over. And then you tip it back and you start again. And for some reason that fascinated me, perhaps so that I would have that mental equivalent, that kind of analogy, uh, metaphor to be able to use right now. So uh, that is how I approached my own healing and still do, is I'm just doing what I can do today. And some days are better than others. But truthfully, quite truthfully, I, I cannot remember the time I felt this is a bad day. This is not a good day. I can't wait for this day to end. I, I really, it's been many, many years since I had that thought. But I used to have it all the time. So I say these things because these practices, these tools really do work. And so that is my purpose in sharing with you is that you'll become motivated, inspired to do this level of committed work, walking the talk and living the love and find how gratifying it is, how successful we can be. And to also help make everybody understand that, look, when we begin this, it kicks our butt. It is challenging. It is really challenging. I hear that all the time in Masterful Living. Oh my God, this is really challenging. And it's so worth sticking to. Because you know what's challenging? Challenging, really challenging is when you have no resources and you're melting down. Challenging is when you don't have a lifeline. You don't know who to call. You don't have a prayer partner. You don't have a, a posse. You don't have people who are actually wise and can uh, respond to you. Uh, I know that for me, my prayer partners are my absolute Lifeline, and I have many of them, and I I rely on them, and I go to them, and they come to me. Will you hold this in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Can you talk now? Can you help me with this right now? And someone who is not going to get down in the muck and the mire, but can hold it all with great effect. So critical to have that kind of support, and we can. We can. we Be it to see it. If you'd like to have that kind of support, be that kind of support. I remember once I told um, a prayer partner about something that happened um, that bothered me. And they got way more upset about it than me. And they were like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to do something. And um, I, I was like, no, it's okay. It's really not that big a deal. It is to me. It is to me. And so I just learned, oh, that prayer partner, I can't tell certain things to because uh, I was explaining how someone had um, attacked me in some way that I can't even recall now. And um, they are so protective of me that it, they got way more triggered than if it had happened to them. So we must be judicious and who we tell what to, but we know that by now, don't we? So today we're looking at chapter four, which is entitled The Illusions of the Ego. <laughs> it could be an infinite chapter. And um, uh, then uh, the section is number seven, which is entitled Creation and Communication. So let's look deeply into this so that we can eliminate and undo the ego thinking that is no longer interesting or necessary for us anymore. Here we go. Paragraph one. It is clear that while the content of any particular ego illusion does not matter, its correction is more helpful in a specific context. And I wholeheartedly agree, not that you need my agreement, but I do, uh, I, I, in, um, I 
guess it was Masterful Living the other day, I said, or maybe it was my sacred circle, uh, someone was asking a question about something. Can you be specific? Can you tell us about the exact situation you're in? Uh, It it helps to be able to uh, look at the specifics as well as the principle, both together, I find. Uh, And the correction, so that's for understanding, and the correction, the specifics are very helpful. So I do that in class a lot. I ask for the specifics so that we can get the clear, specific correction. So that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, ego illusions are quite specific, although the mind is naturally abstract. Part of the mind becomes concrete, however, when it splits. The concrete part believes in the ego because the ego depends on the concrete. The ego is the part of the mind that believes your existence is defined by separation. Many times people are looking for a definition of the ego. Well, here is one. The ego is the part of the mind that believes your existence is, key word here, defined by separation. All right. So, and I do have a preference for thinking of the ego as being an inanimate thought system in to which we we can or in which we can uh, place our awareness so we place our awareness or you can think of the ego thought system as being like a software like the matrix that you're running within your awareness so you look at it with your awareness you look at the world in your awareness through the lens of the ego thought system or not. Going on paragraph two, everything the ego perceives is a separate whole without the relationships that imply being. So the ego perceives always this separate separateness without the relationships that imply being, the beingness. The ego is thus against communication except insofar as it is utilized to establish separateness rather than to abolish it. Now, you may recollect that what Jesus tells us in the Course is that our bodies are for communication, for the kind of communication that can help us undo the belief in separation, undo the consciousness of lack, attack, limitation, and separation. So then he says, the communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. Its communication is controlled by its need to protect itself, and it will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. This disruption is a reaction to a specific person or persons. The specificity of the ego's thinking then results in spurious generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It merely responds in certain specific ways to everything it perceives as related. So this is one of the things about the ego thought system is it, in a certain way, it's like a computer. So if a computer, let's say a robot, gets data, I'm thinking of lost in space, and um, I watched a few episodes of the recent one that Netflix did. My nephew Mikey just loved it. And um, so the you've got these robots, and I haven't seen Westworld and other things like that. I, I just I, uh, I don't think those things are for me. But no no judgment against them. I just know certain things are not for me. Um, uh, and. 
Okay, I'll just say as an aside. I I, I, I can say that I, I'm definitely interested in people's consciousness and how it gets twisted and the ways in which it can twist. Uh, I think I've long been interested in that, and that's one of the things that I sense makes it easier for me to comprehend the course is I have this uh, long history, many, many years of analyzing my thoughts and behavior, other people's thoughts and behavior. So you could think of it as analytical thinking, critical thinking, and I've had to work um, quite assiduously to really diminish being analytical and just being present and allowing discernment to come not through analysis, not through critical thinking, not going if this, then that. So I've had to work uh, very diligently to diminish that kind of analytical, critical, deductive reasoning and instead just pause and say, what am I to do here? What, what is this about? And to allow the insight rather than the deduction, the insight to arrive in my awareness which generally it does come very quickly and there's no lag time. It's actually considerably time-saving. It's much faster than analyzing. And I still, though, this may be too much information about me, but (laughs) I think it's, I hope it's helpful about uh, the ego thought process. I do still enjoy going to other people who have different perspectives than me, different perceptions than me, and who are paying attention to things I'm not paying attention to, and to say to them, so this is what I'm thinking about this. What do you think? What's your sense of it? How do you feel about it? And to ask others what their Uh, perception is. And um, I find it enjoyable because I get to learn more about my brothers and sisters around me. And I will often get insights that I wouldn't have because while everybody's perspective has limitations, together we can see much more. So I like to think tank things very much. I also find that when it's two or more gathered and I'm gathered with somebody else and looking at something, there is a higher consciousness that we attain together. And so, of course, you're familiar with uh, being the two or more gathered. I, I said it in the opening prayer today. And in the uh, two or more gathered in the name and the nature of Christ love or name and the nature of love or Christ. And so that can be a fact finding, but it's, it's more than that. I find that when I'm talking with someone, even if that what they're saying doesn't make sense to me or feels unrelated in the sound waves of their voice I will hear information that pertains to what we're talking about if that makes any sense to me I find that information is encoded in the sound waves of people's voices as well as the birds and the insects and um, the wind and things like that I do I have a, a high degree of clear audience in getting insight from the waves of sound. So I think the best way I can explain it. So the, going back here to paragraph two in the middle, the communication system of the ego is based on its own thought system, as is everything else it dictates. 
its communication is controlled by the need to protect itself and will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. So you can think of, uh, I can think of, many times when I would start to feel overwhelmed because I'm getting triggered. I'm getting triggered into experiences of the past, thoughts of the past uh, that were overwhelming and upsetting to me and memories of the past. And then what, uh, what I feel like doing is shutting down, getting out of there, um, distancing myself. It's the flight mechanism getting triggered. So uh, as a need to protect itself, and it will disrupt communication when it experiences threat. Some people do it, and I used to do this too, by picking a fight or doing other things, like even just being slightly sarcastic or um, saying things like, I don't want to talk about this now. Uh, Of course, the words are saying, I don't want to talk about this now. But we could say, if we had more of a sense of our spiritual sovereignty, if we could hold our seat, as the Buddhists say, we could say, I'm starting to feel triggered. I think I need to take a little time out and just take some breaths and maybe go for a little walk and come back. So please don't take it personally. This has nothing to do with you. Just uh, I, I need a minute, maybe just a bathroom break. I'll have a little water, and um, and then we can come back and talk about this. But instead, we tend to go, I can't talk about this right now. I can't think about this right now as a defense uh, to disrupt the communication because we're feeling threatened in some way and we just want to shut it down and get the heck out of there. Run for the hills. Aren't we all so familiar with that? Yes, we are. So this disruption is a reaction to a specific person or persons. The specificity of the ego's thinking then results in spurious generalization, which is really not abstract at all. It merely responds in certain specific ways, to everything it perceives as related. So that's the thing is, the ego mind, the ego thought system, oh, this is where I started to think about robots, is it will uh, categorize things like, okay, these are mammals, these are reptiles, so these are threatening thoughts and experiences, these are safe things, and... So it's, to me, the ego thought system is a system of the words that I use all the time in my own thinking, sifting, sorting, separating, sifting, sorting, separating. And so what what helps with sifting, sorting, separating is compartmentalizing, labeling, and so uh, I know for myself, I was a huge labeler. And so backing off from the labeling is a really great way to truly undo this ego thinking is to stop, make a commitment to stop labeling things, like really make a commitment to stop labeling things. And you'll, if you pay attention to this, you will notice how strong it is. For me, I began with just four labels that I was going to back away from. Bad and good, right and wrong. And uh, let's just call everything working together for my good, good. (laughs) And all the other labels, bad and wrong, etc., can all take a pause. So I learned to... Undo that ego thinking by interrupting it, interrupting the patterns, interrupting the patterns, interrupting the patterns. So powerful a tool that we have and that we can really use to get into uh, breaking up the concretized thought. Remember, Jesus was just talking about concrete. Uh, it's uh, I I do find that having that phrase concretized thought is helpful to me 
because I can see where I have let things become like concrete. And let's just break it up. And I give all the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. I'm intent on undoing the ego thinking. Holy Spirit, make it so I'm willing. And then I find that all day long, the Holy Spirit will give me little prompts to look at something again, to choose again, to pause again. And uh, following that Holy Spirit's direction took me quite a while to get the hang of it, but now I've got the hang of it, and it just goes so much faster. And I'm so grateful for that. Yes, I am. And... I am so grateful for you. Thank you for joining me. It's the whole purpose of us having this podcast. And a big, big, big thank you to those who contribute. One of the easiest ways to contribute is to go to acimtexts.com, A-C-I-M-Texts.com, or the events page at Jennifer Hadley. Sign up for the A Course in Miracles text messages, a $1 donation. You can do a, a monthly donation, lots of options there, and it goes to support this podcast and all the free classes we do. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we're talking about undoing the ego thinking, and particularly by interrupting the patterns. I call it getting off the pain train, and we can really become masterful at this. It's about being willing to recognize when we're really strongly ego identified and to shift that identification to spirit. And practice, practice, practice. That's why I say 99% practice, 1% study. It's all about the implementation of the teachings and the truths. And we can sit and study and study and study, but it's the implementation that makes the difference. I know I hear this all the time from people who say, Jennifer, I was in a study group for 10 years. I really have enjoyed it. I like it. But I can see that in just a month or so of class, where we're really implementing these things, it's a whole different story. And I can't believe how fast I'm shifting and changing. So it's really about this implementation. And and that takes a great willingness. And it is the willingness to implement that transforms our life. Uh, then the spirit is uh, the high, higher Holy Spirit self will consistently, will start to recognize that it is a steady, 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 constant, constant, constant stream of insight, wisdom, clarity, suggestions, support that is there for us. It is a powerful, constant, steady stream. And uh, the only reason we're not aware of it is because we're more interested in what we think than what the truth is. And so that leads me to paragraph three here. So again, we're chapter four, The Illusions of the Ego, section seven, Creation and Communication. And one of the things here is when we're disrupting these patterns of thought and belief, We are disrupting the self-sabotage that believing these thoughts has become. Tremendous life of self-sabotage. Truly, that's what I have done. I have turned around a lifetime of self-sabotage. And what I see now from the vantage point where I am now 
looking back over my life, I can see that every bit of the self-sabotage, every bit of the self-destructive, self-medicating things that I chose, I've learned so much about the ego patterns that it perfectly serves my life of love now. Because it is the very fact that I was so dysfunctional in so many ways, high-functioning, ego-identified person, that now I can really support others who are in a similar situation to move out of it so, so much more quickly than I ever could have. And it's all now, every bit of the past is now a blessing to me. Didn't see that coming, but I'm so grateful that it has come. So paragraph three here, in contrast, so in contrast to the ego's methods of reaction and that that flight mechanism that wanting to shut things down and be disruptive and yell at people and all of that. In contrast, spirit reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else. So when we're aligned with spirit, we react to things that are true with, yes, (laughs) it's so true, it's wonderful, the truth is so wonderful. And the things that aren't true, it's like, yeah, why even bother to pay attention to it? Unless you can be helpful, truly helpful, right? Nor does it make any attempt, spirit does not make any attempt to establish what is true. Not necessary. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication with every aspect of creation, because it is in complete and direct communication with its creator. This communication is the will of God. Oh, I just love that. This communication, this communication, this all things connected in communicating, everything that's true, everything that's real, Completely, wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly connected, forever, in direct communication. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. How about that? Creation and communication are synonymous. God created every mind by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. So what I'm getting here is think about a TV or a radio, something like that, that you have your individual radio, I have my individual radio. And if we think of those as our minds, God created every mind slash radio by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. So our mind is attuned to the one mind, God's mind, Forever, forever and ever and ever. And we can't undo that, even if we wanted to. However, we can put into our awareness thoughts that aren't true, that will block our awareness of what is true, but they still can't cut off the broadcast So it's like you can put earplugs in so you can't hear the broadcast, but the broadcast is still broadcasting. God's will is communication. 
Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him. Meaning they communicate with him and in the same way that he does. This communication is perfectly abstract since its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment, any exception, or any alteration. I love that too. It's the infinite mind of God is pure and the thoughts we think with God are pure. One of the affirmations I used to use all the time to supplant or to, to, um, I, when I noticed I was judging, I would interrupt that pattern with saying, I'm not interested in that. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. Those thoughts have no power. Only my God thoughts have power. I choose to think only the thoughts I think with God. I'm a big believer in using affirmations to interrupt the patterns. So we communicate in the same way that God does. And the mind, excuse me, I'm going to go back a little bit. This communication is perfectly abstract since its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment any exception, or any alteration. So there's that purity to it. God created you by this and for this. So we were created out of the infinite mind of God for this purpose of being like our Father, Mother, God, creators. Creative mind. The mind can distort its function but it cannot endow itself with functions it was not given. That is why the mind cannot totally lose the ability to communicate, even though it may refuse to utilize it on behalf of being. So here's an example. If you think of some of the great mystics who are supporting people in having healings, and working with people who are, for instance, catatonic, right? So they seem to have completely shut down. Uh, Maybe they seem to to be unconscious in some way. Uh, uh, People can still communicate with their mind. Because whatever is going on, it looks like in the body, the mind never sleeps. It it doesn't go unconscious. It just seems that way. But it's still functioning. And we have story after story after story of somebody whose body died. Their consciousness is still there, still in the room, still having experiences, still listening and participating in the conversation, even though the body is dead, right? can think of Daniel Brinkley, Anita Marjani, and others who've had these kinds of experiences. Then he goes on here, and this next sentence is a bit odd to me. He says, existence, as well as being rest on communication. Existence, however, is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. So here he's talking about the difference between being and existence. Existence is specific in how, what, and with whom communication is judged to be worth undertaking. Being is completely without these distinctions. It is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real. Being is a state in which the mind is in communication with everything that is real. We are human beings. Okay. Having a human existence... (laughs) 
To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self. God, who encompasses all being, created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing real can be increased except by sharing. To have, give all to all. To have joy, share the magnificence that has been pre-installed in you. You don't need to activate it. It's already active. Valuing it is helpful, but the most helpful thing is to endeavor to share, to extend. This is why I have had so much healing once I began to extend, to actively extend. And I can tell you for me, so how did that begin? Uh, I, back in the 80s, in the later 80s, I started working on a play. My brother and I co-authored a play called All God's Dangers. And uh, so then... I, in that that writing process, there was extending, there was sharing with my brother, and we had another co-author with us. And th- I started attending a writer's group that I uh, really enjoyed. And then I, after the play was produced, I moved to Maine. My boyfriend and I broke up. We split up, he moved out, I moved, I sublet my apartment, I moved to our family's house in Maine, and I lived there for a few years, and when I first moved there, the first thing I did was I started a writer's group, and uh, I know that that writer's group uh, continued for decades. I think it may still be going on, I haven't checked in on it in a year or two. But uh, the last time I checked, it was still continuing. And even my mother moved to live in the house. My parents moved to live in that house they built back in the 80s. I lived there 90 to 94-ish. And then uh, my parents moved there maybe around... 96? I don't remember exactly. And my mother, when she moved to Deer Isle, she joined the Deer Isle's writers group, which I had started. (laughs) And then my mother published poems and a novel out of that book, I mean, out of that writers group. So that extending and the sharing became critical to me. And then in the later 90s, when I started I was into my pre-practitioner training at Agape. I began leading retreats because I had started leading uh, artist way groups. And people sometimes ask me, will I do an artist way group again? And maybe I will. Maybe I will, but not this year. Next year. Uh, Maybe we could do an aspect of Masterful Living, my year-long course, that has the artist's way in it. That kind of sounds fun. All right, I know a lot of people from Masterful Living listen to this, so let me know if that interests you. Um, And, oh, by the way, Masterful Living, which starts January 1st, we, uh, the, all the, there's a whole bunch of pre-stuff that we do in January, and then the, Classes begin in later January, but you definitely want to get in on all the pre-stuff. It lays the foundation. And we even uh, do some things in December just to 
outpace ourselves. So I am opening registration uh, in mid-November. I'm going to have a special offer doing something different this year. So in order to get people registered early uh, and to just get the registration period done, uh, we're going to have registration in November. I'm going to offer a bunch of bonuses if you register then. So you can sign up for the to be notified when that registration opens. And uh, we're going to have this bonus period for just a few days for those who would like to register and make that commitment. So going back to this extending, um, actually, that's one of the key things in Masterful Living is people really start extending more and their joy naturally increases. Because one of the things that all of us would like to experience more of is joy. So joy is a spiritual quality of God. It's omnipresent. It's omnipotent. It's omniactive. However... We block the flow of it, and we can increase the flow of it, release the blocks to the joy. Uh, the same that are the blocks to love are the blocks to joy. So we can work on releasing the blocks to joy, to love, to wisdom, to clarity, and all the spiritual qualities by seeking the kingdom within. Then everything's added unto us because we start naturally releasing the blocks, extending love, extending compassion, extending patience, extending generosity of the heart. These are the things that increase our joy, and I can testify to that for sure. So people are often wondering, how can they increase their joy? That is the formula that's it, right there. <laughs> Just keep repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. It's wonderful. So I'm, I'm going to read this again, top of uh, paragraph 5 here. God who encompasses all being, created beings who have everything individually, but who want to share it to increase their joy. Nothing real can be increased except by sharing. That is why God created you. Divine abstraction takes joy in sharing. That is what creation means. How, what, and to whom are irrelevant. Because real creation gives everything, since it can create only like itself. Again, to have, give all to all. Remember that in the kingdom... There is no difference between having and being, as there is in existence. In the state of being, the mind gives everything always. I love that. I love that. The Bible repeatedly states that you should praise God. This hardly means that you should tell God how wonderful He is. God has no ego with which to accept such praise and no perception with which to judge it. But unless you take your part in the creation, God's joy is not complete because yours is incomplete. And this God does know. God knows it in his own being and its experience of God's son's experience. The constant Going out of his love is blocked when God's channels are closed, and God is lonely when the minds he created do not communicate fully with him. So that's how we increase the joy for all, is to extend love to all, to extend kindness, compassion, generosity of heart. God has kept your kingdom for you, but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind. Revelation is not enough because it is only communication from God. That's what revelation is, communication from God. God does not need revelation returned to him, which would clearly be impossible, but he does want it brought out to others. 
This cannot be done with the actual revelation. Its content cannot be expressed because it is intensely personal to the mind that receives it. So God is both impersonal and the expressions of God are personal. It can, however, be returned by that mind to other minds through the attitudes the knowledge from the revelation brings. And that's what we're doing right here, right now. God is praised whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful, completely helpful. This is impossible without being wholly, completely harmless. Because the two beliefs must coexist. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos and so nothing can hurt them. I quote this all the time. I was talking a lot about this at the time that the coronavirus started up. The truly helpful are invulnerable because they are not protecting their egos and so nothing can hurt them. They're Helpfulness is their praise of God, and he will return their praise of him because they are like him, and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed adds to this joy with its individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers, whom I direct until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. Yes. So sometimes we get the nudge to go talk with somebody that we're not attracted to. (laughs) And if we can just follow God's nudge whenever we feel that, it's amazing. Life is amazing when we follow the nudge. (laughs) Ah, I'm so grateful to be able to share this with you. It is for sure my life's work because it is my joy and my joy is ever increasing because we are joined together and I thank you for joining with me today. Remember, we have a ton of resources at livingacourseofmiracles.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, won't you please write a review wherever it is that you receive this podcast from whatever service. And let us bless each other. Grateful to place my hand in my heart and to say, God is all there is. We are grateful to share the benefits with all. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.